Hello and welcome to Business Talk with Chris Hazel. Uh, today I'm joined by Alan Watts from The Love Engineer. He is on a mission to transform your dating journey and help you find the single most important loving relationship of them all. So welcome, Alan. Hello, Chris, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so yeah, uh, a very brief introduction about what you do. Uh, but if you could tell us a little bit, bit more about yourself, um, and what your business does, what you do. Yeah, well, as, as it uh, as it says on the, na- the name on the tin, I am the love engineer, but <laughs> a lot of people don't get what that is straight away because there aren't many of us. So what I do is work with people with dating and relationships. Let's face it, we're not taught that stuff in school. We're not, a lot of us don't get any teaching, training, guidance at home. So we learn about dating and stuff from our friends in the playground at school, magazines, media, movies, and that's about it. And some of it's just trial and error experience. And then that can go two ways. We can blame ourselves or we can blame our partner. And a lot of the time, it's actually a bit of both. And what I've observed over the few year, over a few years is a lot of people don't want to look at their own actions within a relationship. And there are others who just want to either blame the partner or put their partner or former partner on a pedestal and say, oh, they're perfect and I must be the problem. Well, again, it goes back to both. So I've had a disastrous dating career myself and I got married despite my gut feeling saying, this is wrong. But the church was paid for, the guests were there and all that kind of thing. It's like, I can't say no now. So we went through with it. And um, would you believe we ended up getting divorced? It was a little bit messily. Um, so I'm going to leave that one there. I do go into that a bit in deeper depth in my book, Running Wild and Running Free. So we'll leave that there. And after that divorce, to say it messed me up a little bit would be an understatement. But it also triggered a massive amount of growth, as did the failure of the relationship afterwards. It's like, after the marriage, I can blame it all on my kid's mother. And this other one that I'd put on a pedestal, it's like, oh, heck, I need to sort me out. And that triggered a journey of about 10 years digging into how relationships do, don't, should, shouldn't work, and all that kind of thing. And... That kind of led me to where I am today, although a co- being a coach wasn't part of the plan at all. <laughs> so, you, yeah, because you haven't been a coach for, for 10 years, have you? So that, that first journey was your um, was for, your, for yourself then, presumably. Yeah. Um, and then that, as you found out more, you decided this, this is what you want to move into. What triggered the move? Because... You, before that, you were a um, mechanic, is that right? Car, car mechanic? Yeah, or? I was cars, trucks, uh, Navy frigates, Aussie road trains, anything, everything. If it's got nuts and bolts, I'd, I'd have a dabble with it. So, no, it definitely wasn't um, a planned move into coaching. What happened was I joined a few Facebook groups in for people in single people in personal development and... Having those conversations, I grew as a person, they grew as well, and yet people private messaging me, asking for my perspective on stuff, and then 
bit farther da- down those conversations, they say, are you a coach? You should be. It's like, go through my Facebook friends list and it's like, coach, 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 coach. Oh, there's no point in the market. It would be saturated. I ain't going to bother doing that. So carry on regardless, despite not particularly enjoying my chosen career. And I kept having that conversation. You should be a coach. You should be a coach. You should be a coach. I thought, nah, 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 nah. And then I had a personal experience with a young lady. Um, I'm not going to go into the details right now, but I remember having this thought where if I had some coaching skills, I could handle this very, very differently. So I booked myself onto the um, Master Coach course and thought, I really enjoy this. And also found the coaching skills helped me as a dad. Because instead of saying to my kids, you need to do this, you do that. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I'd actually ask questions and get to know them better, which has been an amazing gift, although not planned in any way, shape, or form. Mm. And the more I dug into coaching, the more I enjoyed it. And at what point was that along this 10-year journey? um, Was this in the last couple of years when you set up, or um, did you sort of do the coaching course then take a bit of time before you took the leap, or how did it work? Um, Well, I did the coaching course back in 2018, and um, now I did... NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming in 2020 in lockdown because I didn't get access to my kids. So it's like, how can I use this time? One of my friend, friends was saying, oh, I'm doing this online NLP course. I'm in. <laughs> just like, just as a distraction as much as anything, but I found it to be really, really useful as well. And then... I think it was the last lockdown, was it 2021? Um, I actually got, I lost my full-time job. So it's like, now what? I don't want another one. That's a scary thought. <laughs> so um, having had my own business before, it's like, okay, I've always had an entre- entrepreneurial mindset. So I start my own business. I enjoy coaching. I'll go for it. And um, I can... Sp- I'm proud to say I've never had a full-time job since. <laughs> and your uh, your previous business was not was was not my, in coaching. It was no. The previous business I was a mobile mechanic, which I set up in my spare time in 2007, and um, grew that over a year. And I discovered this thing called uh, business networking. Although if I was told I've got to stand up and speak for 60 seconds, there's no way I've gone. But uh, through that, I got a, useful, a lot of useful connections. And then um, after about a year, I sat down with the business coach. <laughs> and he's like, so where are we at? So I looked at it and was like, actually, this business is not doing very well because I've only got six clients in a year. <laughs> and three of them were family. So I worked with him for about three or four years and went from the place place of turning over like – Three thousand pound in um, in nearly twelve months to twenty seven grand in my spare time. And it's like okay, I'm going to um, do this full time now, and um, didn't look back. So I couldn't do the business that I enjoyed and work full time and be a dad. Mm-hmm. So the job went. So I did the house. <laughs> well, I rented it out. <laughs> oh. 
And um, so did that give you the confidence then when you, you set this up, the, the love engineer up, that you were to have the clients there immediately? or um... it, it helped with the confidence in that I could set up a business and I was going from a place of having more knowledge that I can go out and networking and meet new people and potentially get clients from there. And there's more social media stuff going on now. And at the same time, there's this thing in the back of my head saying, but when you started your mobile mechanics business, you've got 20 years experience and you haven't got that as a coach. Will you be good enough? And all this kind of thing, all that negative chatter. But then when you get a few testimonials saying, wow, that's amazing. I really like this. And I really like that. And I've never looked at relationships like this before. And it just blows that out of the water. It's so- still been a journey of growth. Yeah, and for for a client coming to work with you, then what does it, what does it look like for them? What's the, the process that you go through with with someone? The process is well, really, it's very unique because every person I speak to is in a different place. As some have grown up with um, in an environment where mom and dad were at each other's throats all the time, and that sets up this thing in the back of the mind of what a relationship looks like. So when they get older, they find themselves in that kind of environment again, whereas others who have had a more healthy upbringing have a very, very different experience. And maybe they just need a few little tweaks here and there. It's everyone is different, and that's the challenge with it. But it's also the beauty of it. So it's not like it's very, very different from servicing cars. Like when you change from one oil and fill, where you've done them all. And it gets so monotonous over the years because everyone's different. Yeah, there are similarities, but they're different. Mm. So I get, I do have a rough process that I will work through with a lot of people, but it's sort of nuanced and picked up a lot of it from initial conversations because they will tell me, even if it's just through the conversation, which direction we need to go. So do you have a like an initial consultation and then yep. just ongoing sessions with people, or is it sort of like a, a set course of sessions? Or yeah, because at the moment there's one off, a one off session. There's um, the bronze program, which is three sessions. Silver, which is about twelve, with a couple of little extras put in, and then the gold package has got about twenty and all sorts of stuff going on there, and. What I'm also looking at is, okay, once they've been through this program and they're ready in that place where they can attract that amazing relationship, what happens then? So I'm looking at some kind of um, community membership where they just duck in and out and pick up little tweaks here and there as they go along. And if they haven't met that person yet, maybe they will meet them in that community. So, yeah. And so is it majority, because I know you'd work with both um, people in relationships to improve it, but also obviously yeah, people to find find relationships. Is, yeah. is, where's the, the majority of that, or is it sort of fairly even between the two? Most of the people I work with are singles. Um, and part of the re- reasoning behind that is to work with a couple and move them forwards. I really need to work with both of them at the same time. So if one's there saying, oh, we haven't got any issues and the other one's screaming out, help me, then it doesn't kind of work quite so well because you've only got one side of the story. And what a lot of the time I see there is they blame the partner, they blame the partner, they blame the partner. 
well, what's your part in this? So um, you do work with couples, that you, or if I you're, yes. you're going to work with couples, it will yeah, be... I work with work couples, with both and it's generally going to be I'll work with both of them with the intention of getting to them to that point where they've got to the root cause of whatever their issues are, and they're in that position where they can move forward. What that moving forward looks like, maybe they stay together, maybe actually we're just not a good match for each other. So what's best for us is to separate. And we can both see our own individual parts in this is not 100% or the other, which makes divorce and stuff like that a hell of a lot easier and cheaper. And is there like a common theme that runs through these that you, you find or are there all, calls, all kinds of different issues that you find with, specifically let's start with couples and then we'll move back to, to singletons? A lot of the couples I've come across, like myself, probably got married either for the wrong reasons or because they kind of settled. Like, I don't believe I can attract a better partner, so I'll just I'll just take this because somebody's willing to marry me. And lo and behold, further down the track, those little wedges that could be a divide get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like wake up one morning. Who are you? <laughs> so, uh, so that's the common theme, and um, and you're helping them move move forward. As do, do you find that then by the end of maybe the sessions that you see more people separating, or you you, you help them to realise that, or do you help people? You know, would would you also help people um, get past the problems and actually, yeah, and just improve their relationship? Um, yeah, which one's more? Which, which one do you find is more common? Um, I that's a great question, and at this stage, it's very difficult to say whether one's more common or the other because some are still going through it, and others were pretty much at the point of divorce anyway. So in going down that line, it just gave them confirmation as much as anything. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you get people to that point and they think, oh, we've put, put money into you know, working with you, do you, do you have, have, problem, you have problems where they think, well, actually it's led us to, to divorce or do they usually feel happy that you've helped them come to that realisation? Yeah. Well, I can't. I'm always upfront that I can't guarantee that problems will be solved, or at least they will stay together forever. There's no guarantee of that with anything or anyone. So the one thing I do say is an am- the average amical divorce, I think, currently is about 25, 30 grand. Even my biggest package is under two grand. So if they've got an unamicable divorce where they can be paying like, 500 pounds for a solicitor to send an email so it goes from husband and wife being at each other's throats to two solicitors being at each other's throats via email at 500 pound a pop and both of them are working towards getting the best outcome for their client not a win-win deal that then gets very very expensive and if they've got kids it makes it even worse Mm. so what separates you then from a, like a couples therapist, what what makes you different or why would people come to you rather than a, a couples therapist? You know, that's a great question. I 
not being a couples therapist myself, I only have other people's um, perspective to work from. And having not experienced it myself, because I didn't go through that, um, again, it's other people's perspective. But what I'm hearing back is that so much of it is just like surface level stuff. It's not about digging down and getting to the root cause of things. It's like, how do we move forward from this? Or it's, it's kind of a little bit like putting a plaster on a broken leg. It's not going to work, although technically it's healing. Mm. It doesn't set up the right environment to move forward and run. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it described in the past uh, therapies as yeah, looking back at past trauma and then coaches are more looking looking forward. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, cool. Well, then so. And on to six singletons. What um, is there a common theme that you find with singletons that they struggle with? I guess my 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 best guess. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but would be like confidence. Um, confidence. Yeah, that is a big one, especially for especially for the guys, because they we get this image put in front of us that we've got to be we've got to look like Brad Pitt or um, or Tom Hardy or whoever the attractive con- Chris Hazel. Chris Sorry. Hazel, um, yeah, him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't look like that, and we don't have that f- six-pack physique, or if we're not six foot, or we don't have that six-figure income, we're not going to be attracted to women. And that is actually a load of BS, by the way, because that's not what they're attracted to. Yes, it plays a part, but it's not all of it. And we have these ideas of what we should be. So we try and mold ourselves into that. And you're not being yourself. You are pretending, you're acting all the time. And then there's the other aspect of the, I'm sure you've heard the story that um, women just want the bad boy. They don't want nice guys. Although women and men have a different description of what a nice guy is, but that's another story possibly even a whole other podcast and the women they get taught that they've got to be this beautiful thing and you've got to be submissive and you've got to be this and you've got to be that but that's not right alternatively there's the um the feminist approach go for your career go for this go for that go for it which puts you in the masculine energy which isn't attractive to that masculine man they want to attract because it's like the opposite ends of a magnet opposites attract like poles repel so the biggest problem with the singles is all this bs that we're bombarded with of what we should be as if it's wrong to be who we are i see and so it's helping people to realize that it's that it's bs and uh, um first off be yourself and one one of the questions i ask my clients early on is like who the hell are you they say, oh, my name is, no, not your name, I know that. Who are you? We say, oh, I'm my occupation. Right, but if you take the occupation away, who are you? And really dig down so they find who they are, possibly even for the first time. Because so often when we're kids, we'll do stuff like, I don't know, make maybe make lots and lots of noise. That's what kids do. But then... Mummy or daddy shouts at them and says, sit down, be quiet. Little children should be seen and not heard and all this stuff. So that part that wants to make noise and have fun, we push to the side because we want to be loved and we want to be safe. 
And that happens so much. So these parts we think are not lovable. As we grow up, we hide them from our partners, but they're still there. Occasionally they slip out and say, that's not him. What? That's not her. What's going on? And it's like, what else are they hiding from me? But we've so, so many of us don't even know how to be ourselves within our own lives, let alone bring that into a relationship. And so if you were to give, if this is within what you kind of would do or, or not, but your sort of top three tips then um, for either good dating or to find a relationship, what, what, what should people focus on? I'm guessing well, you've sort of given one away maybe already, but um, yeah. Um, I don't know about top three. We'll see, see if we can do a top five. Okay. <laughs> Number one is find yourself. Number two would be be yourself. Number three, work out what kind of relationship you truly want to be in and what and what your role in within that relationship will be, as in what are you bringing to the table? And then the question is, what would your partner be, kind of partner would be attracted to that? And is that attractive to you? If it's not, then dig a bit deeper within. So then it's the, the attraction level. And then another good question to ask yourself is, what does it actually take for me to feel loved? Because there's a lot of people who don't know how to answer that. And that must be uh, quite a different response when you've got male clients versus female clients, do you find? Yeah, yeah. Because there's, I think it was Chris Rock that put out a video that says only women, children, and dogs are loved unconditionally. Men are loved for what you can provide. Yeah, I think I see. I think I see. Scary perspective. Is it true? I'm not going to answer that. You have to answer that for yourselves. (laughs) But there are elements of truth within it. Yeah, and so. Do you find that then linking back to your couples therapy is that often where you get a lot of uh, friction and because the two sides perhaps yeah, feel feel loved in, a, in different ways? Yeah, definitely. And also we have different operating systems. Like men and women operate differently. It's not about one being better than the other. They are different. It's like an iPhone and a Galaxy Android. They'll both take photos. They'll both make phone calls. They don't ch- check your email and blah, blah, blah. But they're different. Try using an Android after having an iPhone for 20 years. You might even not even get to switch it on, let alone get the best out of it. Yeah. And um, so we obviously talked a lot about, I guess, what you do and, and things like that. Um, but perhaps a bit more on to your, your, your business um, and your experience in business and just to get to know what, what you feel or what failures you've had along the way and what you've learned from them and, and how they've helped you grow either in your business or in life? Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I've got, always had that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I started my first business aged 10, like 10 or 11, something like that. And over the years, I guess I've started like 27 different businesses. <laughs> It's only really the two that have got anywhere. So a few, <laughs> so a few failures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, failure is just an event in time. It's it's a learning tool. It's It doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It's like for when you learn to walk. 
you can't learn to walk without falling over. You learn as human beings, we learn from what is what doesn't work to find what does. But so often it's like we're like, if it's not perfect, I'm a failure. Or how do you get to be who you are today? Well, this happened and this happened. This this happened. I said, and they're what could be perceived as failures, but they're also learning tools. You either succeed or you learn. So mm. where's failure? Yeah. <laughs> and so the flip side of that, then what's what's been your biggest success? Or what are you proudest of? I would say that has got to be now myself especially it's like when i wrote my first book which is about my journey looking back it's like wow i've been through so much stuff and i'm still here and one or two people say well how are you still breathing how how do you smile well it's a choice i don't want to focus on that negative crap anymore it doesn't serve me mm. learn from it sure but i don't want to live there it sucks. I'd say, so you have to just the, the growth and development yeah. of, your, your, of yourself. From is that over? Is that over that sort of ten year period that you talked about? I I would say, well, forty five now. So probably since I was about twelve, because I was that quiet kid in school that never spoke to anybody, didn't have any confidence talking to girls, let alone, even some of the lads, let alone the girls. I didn't fit in at school. I didn't really fit in at work. I didn't fit in anywhere. So I kept going deeper and deeper into this hole of me. And it's like a prison, the prison of the mind. But to escape that and find freedom. So have you had like coaching yourself to help me get get here? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Been, okay. yeah, I had a business coach with my mobile mechanics business. And then after that relationship, after the marriage breakdown, I just hit a place where I didn't want to go any lower. I'd actually, as purely by chance, I had a one-to-one session booked with, um, she was a life coach, because I thought I could connect her with uh, a friend of mine whose son had taken his own life, and I thought it might be a useful connection for them. So during this one-to-one, it just happened to be like, this relationship on ended on the Monday and this meeting was on the Thursday and it just went all out. And she says, well, drew a circle, we divide it into three and says, where it says health relationships and money or finances it says, which is your biggest problem right now? And she says, I said, um, relationships. How are you financially? Not great. What about health? Oh, I don't really care about that. <laughs> says, where would you like to start? I said, relationships, because I want to be loved. And says, okay, that's okay. Can you pay all your bills at the moment? Uh, maybe. And then she says, if you're in bad health, will that affect your relationships? Well, yeah. If you're in bad health, will it affect your finances? Uh, yeah. So why don't we start with your health? I'm like, I don't really care about that. Do you want to change the other two? Change that one. As little things, little steps, like just drinking a glass of water. Because until then, it was like all fizzy stuff or alcohol or the odd cup of tea. Just trying to sober myself up a bit. (laughs) (laughs) 
over time and digging back and looking into me and saying, well, look, okay, yes, I'm part of the problem, but I'm not all of the problem. Some of it goes back to childhood. Some of it's from there. And some of it is actually the other person. And I can't choose what, how another person behaves and I can't control it. But I can control how I respond, how I react, how I feel, what I do, and move forward from there. And that was transformational. Mm-hmm. Are you still in touch with the coach who helped you or still working um, with them? I'm not working with them at the moment. Um, we're still in touch on via Facebook. Um, they're not actually coaching. They've changed to being some kind of vicar or revenant or some religious type person, which each of their own. <laughs> and uh, and that's, I'm just interested how you um, put yourself back up from uh, from your divorce and then how you met your now wife and um i'm not married now partner, sorry <laughs> i ain't doing that again <laughs> and neither is she which is cool so it's a good one um bit by bit and there's a lot a lot of people that talk about sort of put, picking up yourself up by the bootstraps and you do it alone no you don't you ha- have loyal supportive friends around you yeah family that love you and you do it bit by bit and learn from other people. And one of the biggest, um, well, it's a combination of two things. One, when I went to Tony Robbins's Unleash the Power Within, I learned about this NLP tool called modeling. So it's like, if you see, one, say you want to be um, a great hockey player, you look and you're in the juniors or in, in the fourth team or fifth team or whatever, you'll look at that first team player that you want to be like. What do they do? How often do they train and model their behavior? And you're more likely to go in that direction. And so I took that and I took something I learned from the late Steve Clark, the Def Leppard guitarist, because he says so a lot of guitar players, they listen to Jimi Hendrix and they want to play like Jimi Hendrix. So they just learn Jimi Hendrix and then you've got Jimi Hendrix flow. So it's like, okay, what men do I look up to? What men have the characteristics that I want to be, the lifestyle I want? It's like I take that bit from there, that bit from there, that bit from there, put it all in a bowl, mix it up, and put it out through my own expression, which takes time. And also looking at the kind of relationship that I wanted to be in, in terms of as a parent and as a partner, what what did I really look for and what did I want to be? And created this sort of vision within my mind, how it would feel and all this kind of thing. It's like, okay, so that man is the one that will have that relationship and that lifestyle. What do I need to do to become that man and stay true to who I am? And just step by step built up to that level. And then how how did you meet your your partner? Was that was that through any of these sort of um events or courses that you went through or was it just totally um, happenstance well how i i've been on quite a few dating pro websites for a while and and the one i was sort of I kind of 50 50 using it to look for a potential partner and 50 50 using it for potential clients and um all the others i'd taken myself off because i was sick and tired of the results that i was getting and this one was like, I don't know, I'll leave it for a bit. And then the day I decided to um, 
go on there to delete my profile. There's this message saying, I really like this that you said in my profile. It's just eight miles away from where I'm staying. So, okay, that's local. Just, I can't tell what she looks like from the picture, but from what it said on her profile, I was like, okay, there's, there's something there. And there's this line that says, oh, by the way, I will never make the first move. You will have to message me. And I think she sees something in me because she's messaged me. So we had a bit of a conversation. Then within a week, we'd met and it's like, yeah, this is it. Nice. So, yeah, purely by chance. Partly looking, but also partly by chance, yeah. Yeah, if I hadn't, if I was still a man I was years ago, I wouldn't be, she wouldn't be interested in me. And if she was still who she was when she was with her husband and father of her children, then she wouldn't be a match for me. So it's all, it's all about that journey and that growth. Mm. And how long have you been together now? Um, I'll get told off, we'll get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, we met, we, we, um, we'll cut this bit. Message each other, I think it was the end of March, and then we met in April, so. Okay. So still relatively early days, but I'd say we probably have got a stronger, deeper connection than many people that have been married for 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, and just finally then on on, on the business, um, where, do you, where do you see it going? Where do you, what are your plans for the, for the business? Well, obviously, I like to to get bigger. Um, I also like to post singles retreats somewhere in the world, whether it's in the UK or somewhere abroad. So, yeah, like I don't know, three or four days of really delving deep into who you are and effectively taking yourself on that journey that I took ten years to do, but do it in four days. And then you never know. Bunch of single guys, bunch of single women that have gone through the same process, they might meet, meet somebody while they're there. Who knows? So, uh, also more singles coaching and also toying with the idea of a, I don't know, day's workshop for sort of getting just surface level stuff, getting to know what you really want in the relationship and then have a copywriter to help you write an online profile and a photographer take photos and um, at the end, you've got a high quality profile to to work with. And I know you mentioned the sort of the community aspect earlier. Is that something that you've got up and running already, or is that it's in the pipeline not up and as well? Running at the moment, I haven't decided whether to start off as a Facebook group or um, wait till I've got enough clients that have been through my stuff and then open my own platform that I've got more control of. And um, do you do it you, you like nationwide in, in how you operate, or are you more locally based? Like, um, obviously, um, do you catching over Zoom, but do you, do you tend to find more of your customers locally? Or so far, most most of my clients have been farther afield, so it's all been on Zoom. And did you, can I do face to face? Yes, if you're either local or can travel to me. So one thing I'm mindful of especially with the single women if they're coming out to meet a guy in the middle of nowhere that they've never met before that alone can be a scary experience and then you've got to open up the, these deep dark parts of yourself it's even more scary but if you can do that from the comfort of your own home it, 
they feel a lot safer to open up. Mm-hmm. So, but then um, potentially harder for, if, I suppose it depends how big your community is, but to yes. get that community to, of it, yeah. <laughs> to work. So, um, cool. And uh, tell me about your books. You've got, uh, do you say three books? Um, I've got two at the moment. Well, I've co-authored a book called um, Courage, Stories of Darkness to Light, which was to raise money for the Samaritans. So I wrote a chapter in that, and that then led to um, Running Wild and Running Free, which is my story of growing from that kid that didn't speak to anybody to being a coach and traveling the world on my own and all sorts of stuff. And... The latest one I've written is called um, Winning the Dating Game, which I haven't decided on the title yet, but at the moment, that's what it's called. Working title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's currently a PDF, so it's uh, not available anywhere else but from me. <laughs> and the other one's going to get a fine. Um, running Wild and Running Free is available on my website and on Amazon and all the other stuff. Currently not available in audio form yet, but when I get find time to uh, record it, I will do. Right, cool. Um, so finally, just my couple of closing questions I ask every guest. Um, what's your favourite local or small business? Um. There are so many. That is so hard to choose from. So what I'm going to do is kind of use a bit of an umbrella for quite a few of them and just say uh, talk business, the Uno networking group that we met through recently. Yeah. Um, Because being a solopreneur or in business for yourself, it can be very lonely. But then those meetings, you speak to other business owners and just have a proper conversation that isn't necessarily sales or delving into somebody's past or whatever else. So if you like, they're a bit of a water cooler moment to just chat. Yeah, the good. Yeah, I think what um, what I liked about them was um, what you mentioned about you got to stand up and do the sixty second speech. Although there is an element of that most of it is like you say it's it's a brunch and just a, a general actually getting to know the, the people on um you know a human level rather than like a a sales pitch and you're you know targeted on going out and finding x man new business for the other members so yeah it's much more um relaxed isn't it as um yeah an enjoyable um atmosphere um yeah and finally just where can where can people find out more about you where's where's best for them to go best place is my website which is www.theloveengineer.rocks cool i'll link to it in the uh in the notes so people can people can find you there but thank you for um for your time and in, in, insight and um yeah hopefully if people are interested they can can get in touch with you or read one of your books and, and find out a little bit more um but yeah thank you for for coming on thank you for having me thank you for listening if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast please email me at chris at chrishazelmortgages.co.uk speak to you next time